0: God is at work through His local church and through the teaching of His Word. This morning on My Radio, we are pleased to share a favorite message from Relevant Community Church. Here's Pastor Ronnie Rothie from Relevant. The first vital element to follow Jesus in order to continually be transformed to everything God created us to be is what we're going to look like at today, and it is growing in a relationship with Jesus. And here's kind of the big idea for the day that we're going to look at. Growing in a relationship with Jesus is vital to continually be transformed into everything God created us to be because Jesus is the only one who can transform our lives. Last week, we talked about that many times when we hear the word Jesus or God or spirituality or the Bible or church, the word that we associate is religion. But Jesus associated why he came with an entirely different word. The word he associated with why he came was relationship. When, when we pick up the Gospels, the amazing thing we discover is that it's extraordinarily relational. We discover that Jesus came to change the religious paradigm that existed. We discover that Jesus came to shift people's thinking from religion to relationship. We discover that Jesus came to change how we think about God, how we approach to God, and ultimately how we relate to God through him. Which means if our approach to Jesus is anything less or anything more than relational, we've missed something. Jesus has invited you into a life-transforming relationship with him. Bottom line. Not a cheap version of it called religion. And when we turn... It took, it, why Jesus came into a religion, we lose sight of the relationship that Jesus came for. And when we lose sight, when we lose sight of that, we don't experience being transformed to everything God created us to be. Therefore, we miss out on the joy and the victory and the freedom and the salvation and the life that's only experienced within a relationship with Jesus. As I said before, following Jesus begins by entering into a relationship with Jesus... Through faith in Jesus, asking Jesus to be the forgiver of our sins and leader of our life, then growing in a relationship with Jesus from that point forward. Growing in a relationship with Jesus is vital to continually be transformed into everything God created us to be because Jesus is the only one who can transform our lives. And today I want to look at some words straight from Jesus' mouth in John 15 when he made this very clear. In, in John 13 through 17, John 13 through 17 records what took place at what we now call the Last Supper. And this was when Jesus got his 12 apostles, his team together for one final meal before the night before he would ultimately be crucified. And in the middle of this meal in John 15, Jesus talks about growing in a relationship with him. You've got to know, Jesus wasn't ultimately talking about them growing in a relationship with Him at that moment. He knew He was going to physically die the next day. He was, he, Jesus was forecasting into the future after He rose from the grave and physically left this world. Jesus knew He was not physically going to be on this earth for them or for us to grow in a relationship with Him, but that that shouldn't and that, that that doesn't stop us from literally growing in a relationship with him. What we're going to see Jesus saying is that growing in a relationship with him is not something mystical, it's not something unattainable, it's not something conceptual, and it's not this imaginary best friend type of thing. It's a very real and it's a very literal thing for you and for me today. And here's Jesus' words. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And, and the image that came to their mind was a grapevine. And as you know, a grapevine, the vine has all the branches that come off the vine, that the grapes hang on, that, you know, the, the, the grapes are produced on, on each of the branches that are attached to the vine. Now, they knew, like we know, that the vine is what gives life to all the branches that are attached to it. And Jesus is saying, I'm like the vine. I am the true vine. I am the true life giver to every branch. He goes on. He, referring to the father who's the gardener in this word picture, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now Jesus is using an imperfect analogy to make a point, and his point is that he is the vine, the true vine, and that those of us who are followers of Christ, those of us who are in a relationship with him, are the branches. Now, that created some tension for the 12 apostles who were sitting there listening to this because if you've ever gardened, you know that you cut off dead, unfruitful branches so that the whole plant remains healthy, so that the whole plant grows. And you also know that you prune every branch at some point so that that the branch grows and becomes even more fruitful. Like, you know that to keep life and to keep growth flowing into a branch requires cutting away anything that's dead. Now Jesus used this word picture to teach them and to teach us that our Father, our Heavenly Father's ultimate desire is to transform us through him, through Jesus. Our Heavenly Father's ultimate desire is to transform us into people who look and who are more like Jesus and have the fruit of his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control being produced in us. And through us. We call that the fruit of transformation. The more fruit of transformation that is produced in our lives, the more we experience the life and hope and peace and joy and fulfillment and significance and happiness, the only the true vine that only Jesus can and wants to give us. And because of that, God will go to great lengths to transform us. He will go to great lengths to transform the branches And sometimes that transformation is very painful. Sometimes it feels like cutting. Sometimes it feels like pruning. And a question so many people have asked that makes them question God's character and question God's goodness is, why does God allow bad things to happen? Why does God allow bad things to happen to me? And why would God allow bad things to happen? It's because he loves you. So no matter how long you follow Jesus, no matter how devoted you are to Jesus, our natural inclination in life is to do life on our own and not follow Jesus, is to make other things the center of our lives. And when we do, the transforming work that God wants to do in our lives stops, and we become like a dead, unfruitful branch. And God will allow pain, and God will allow trouble and hardship because he knows that these are many times the best motivators to get us to turn back to Jesus. To throw our hands up in surrender and say, I can't do this anymore. I can't find life on my own anymore. I can't walk my way anymore. And we call these moments of, of, of just throwing our hands up and saying, I can't do it anymore. I can't make these things the center of my life anymore. And turning back to Jesus, we call these moments pivotal circumstances. And pivotal circumstances are so powerful. Really good friend of mine uh, recently has gone through a divorce. And before we went through a divorce, he, for years, he's been, he's had, he put his faith in Jesus years ago. And he believed in Jesus and, you know, years and years ago. But he wasn't growing in a relationship with Jesus. And because of that, he wasn't being more transformed into the husband God created him to be. And finally, his wife said, I can't do it anymore. And she filed for divorce. And this was a pivotal circumstance in his life. And he threw up his hands. said, Jesus, I can't walk my way anymore. And he turned back to said, I'm going to start following you, Jesus, and growing in a relationship with you and making that my top priority. And he is being more transformed every single day. And he's experiencing the life that only Jesus can give more every single day. Now, if you were in the room when Jesus said these words you'd probably be thinking the same things that the apostles were probably thinking at that moment. Like, hey, uh, Jesus, why are you telling us this? Why are you talking about, like, cutting and pruning branches? Like, I I get it. Where are the branches? Like, does that mean we're going to get cut off? And if we're going to get cut off, what does that mean? Does that... Are you talking about heaven and hell? Like, Jesus, does this mean we don't have a saving relationship with you? And it's like Jesus knew what they were thinking. So before they even had a you know, chance to even ask any of that, Jesus responded with this. He says, you were already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. He's going, hey, listen, relax. This doesn't have to do anything with your eternity. But it does have to do with what you experience today. So you've got to understand, Jesus is addressing people who are already in a relationship with him. He's talking to people who have been forgiven, who have been cleansed for their violation of sin against God through their faith in him. Understanding what Jesus is saying here stems from understanding that, which means, listen, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, I invite you to do that today. God wants to transform your eternity. He wants to transform your lives, and that begins by you becoming a branch Being attached to the vine. Entering into a relationship with Jesus through faith in Jesus. Asking Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. And if you have not done that, I invite you to do that today. You can do that right now where you are. Asking Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins into your life. Let's just do it today. Now what Jesus says next is very, very relational. He goes on. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And he's saying, now let me reiterate my point again for you. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. In short, Jesus is saying, growing in a relationship with me is vital to to continually be transformed into everything God created you to be because I am the only one who can transform you. And it's just so cool. It's so cool what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I want to grow in a relationship with you in order to transform you. And I can't grow in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to grow in a relationship with me. And I'm not going to force myself on you. So here's my promise to you, Jesus would say. My promise is remain in me. Follow me. By growing in a relationship with me, walking with me, being with me, abiding in me, trusting in me, making me the center of your life and your affection and your priorities and your energy and your will and your desires, and I will fully remain in you to produce the fruit of transformation. But here's my warning, he says. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from growing in a relationship with me, you can't be transformed. Apart from growing in a relationship with me, the fruit of transformation cannot and will not be produced in your life. Apart of growing in a relationship with me, you cannot and will not experience the life that I can and want to give you today. Life to the full. You can't transform yourself. Growing in a relationship with me is vital to continually be transformed to everything God created you to be because I am the only one who could transform your life. And then, and then Jesus says something that caught the apostles' attention and should catch ours too. He says, if you do not remain in me, if you stop growing in a relationship with me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. And once again, Jesus is using an imperfect analogy to make a point. And his point is, the fruit of transformation that is produced through growing in a relationship with me proves... That you are in a saving relationship with me. And right away, maybe the apostles, maybe you are going, crud. Is Jesus talking about losing my salvation right here? Is that what Jesus is talking about? No, he's not. He's not talking about what can happen someday after we die. He's talking about we'll hap- what will happen today if we stop growing in a relationship with him. He's saying, anyone who enters into a relationship with me through faith in me, but doesn't follow me by growing in a relationship with me, becomes like a dead branch. And dead branches, they're worthless, except to be used for firewood. So, in short, what Jesus is saying to them and to you and to me is, don't become a dead branch. Don't become a dead branch. If you do, you will stop experiencing my life-giving presence today and bearing the fruit of transformation today. And when that happens, faith in me becomes a dead, a worthless, a lifeless religion, not a relationship. And this is where I see a lot of people. Listen, you want more than that. And Jesus wants more for you than that. He died on the cross to give you more than that, and he rose from the grave to prove that he can give you more than that. And he's saying, remain in me. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Grow in a relationship with me and I will transform you. And look what else Jesus promises. If you remain in me, if you continue to be transformed into who God created you to be by growing a relationship with me, and as a result, look what he says next. This is so key. I'm going to come back to this in a little bit. My words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, regardless of the amount of faith you have, regardless of your your devotion to Jesus and how long you've been following him, you probably have a hard time believing this. And the reason you have a hard time believing this is because all the prayers that you prayed that have gone unanswered. So let me just ask you a question. I don't know the answer to this question. You, 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 You decide on the answer to this question. Is it possible, is it possible that our unanswered prayers... Are directly correlated to the fruit of transformation not being produced in our lives due to our lack of growing in our relationship with Jesus? Is it possible? I don't know. I know what the writers of Scripture promise. The writers of Scripture promise that when we pray God's will, God will answer. When we pray God's will, God will answer. And is it possible? I don't know. Is it? Is it possible that when we pray, we're praying our will? our desires, our interests, our worldviews instead of his? Is it possible? Is it possible? That's the reason why so many of our prayers go unanswered. I don't know. Is it possible? I don't know. You want God to answer your prayers? Something even cooler than that is God wants to answer your prayers. The more we're transformed to who God created us to be by growing our relationship with Jesus, the more we know God's will. And the more we desire God's will. Therefore, the more we'll pray God's will. And that's when God promises that he will answer our prayers. Is it possible? But ultimately, you got to know this isn't about us. And this isn't ultimately about our prayers. It's about God and his glory. Look what Jesus says next. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. The fruit of transformation, look what he says next. Showing yourselves to be my disciples, my followers. Bottom line, he's saying being continually transformed to who God created you to be proves that you are following me. Proves that you are growing in a relationship with me. He goes on. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So remain in my love. Jesus is reiterating the point that following him, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship, about growing in a love relationship with him. And because of that, this next statement from Jesus, it just doesn't seem to fit. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. Just as I kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And right away, you got some pushback. You're like, the word command? command. That doesn't seem real relational. Like, that doesn't seem real loving. Like, you know that, especially if you're married. Like, if your husband or wife said to you, if you obey my commands to you, you will remain in my love. But if you don't, you're like, not greatest marriage advice ever. That doesn't sound super relational. Well, as a matter of fact, this statement from Jesus is extraordinarily relational. And if you're wondering why, you got to come back next week to find out why. So make sure you're here next week. So look at how cool this last statement from Jesus is. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus is saying, I know what you want. You want joy to the full regardless of your circumstances and situations and what's going on in your life and all the highs and lows and what happens with kids' school. You want joy. And that type of joy can only come from me. The true vine, and I want to give it to you. And when you're growing in a relationship with me, I will. So, bottom line growing in a relationship with Jesus is vital to continually be transformed to everything God created us to be because Jesus is the only one who can transform our lives. So, how do we grow? How do we grow in a relationship with Jesus? And like any relationship, it happens in many, many different ways. But I want to be ex- as helpful as I can to you today. So I want to give you three key ingredients. Three key ingredients to grow in a relationship with Jesus. And I, after following Jesus for many years, after helping other people grow in a relationship with Jesus, I can say confidently that what you do with these three will greatly affect you growing in a relationship with Jesus or not. The uh, first key ingredient to grow in a relationship with Jesus I think is really helpful for us is practical biblical teaching. And why? Well, what we know is that Jesus didn't teach for information, he taught for application. Jesus wasn't satisfied just saying what was true. He wanted his followers to act on what they heard. He he stressed that right at the end of the most famous sermon he ever gave, called the Sermon on the Mount. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, "Listen. If you do everything that I just talked about, you're going to be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And when the storms of life come, you will continue. Your house will continue to stand, to stand. But if you do not do what I just have just talked about, if you do not apply what I just talked about, you're like a foolish person who." builds their house on the sand, and when the storms of life come and the rains of life come, your, your house that you're building on the sand will come crashing down. And we just saw what Jesus said, that transformation comes by his words remaining in us. Well, his words remaining in us comes through knowing and applying what he has revealed to the writers of scripture. That's why it's relevant both at our Sunday gatherings and our next gen environment, Sprouts, Relevant Kids, Rooted, Youth United, we're committed to practical biblical teaching, to teaching the never changing truths of the Bible in a way that is relevant and applicable in our ever changing lives, to making faith practi- practical, to teaching the Bible in a way that inspires and empowers people to follow Jesus. At Relevant, we don't believe God gave us the Bible simply for our information, He gave it to us for our transformation. At Relevant, we believe practical biblical teaching that moves us to follow Jesus one next step at a time is a key ingredient to grow in a relationship with Jesus. To grow in your relationship with Jesus, you've got to put yourself in environments that exposes you to practical biblical teaching. Second key ingredient to grow is spending time with Jesus in solitude. The reason why this ingredient and the first ingredient is key to growing relationship with Jesus because of what Jesus said that's recorded in John 10. Jesus said in John 10, my sheep he calls us many times, he calls us sheep, which by the way, I don't know how encouraging that is because sheep are like the dumbest animals ever on the face of the earth. He says, my sheep, referring to his followers, listen to my voice. My sheep, listen to my voice. Well, you can't listen. You can't know his voice if you don't take the time to know what he has revealed to the writers of scripture and to listen what he wants to tell you through the whispers of his spirit in you. Like any relationship, it's impossible to grow in a relationship with Jesus without investing your time into that relationship. To grow in a relationship with Jesus, you've got to spend time with Jesus in solitude. And here is the third key ingredient. It is generosity. Now why? What does this have to do with anything? Well, when we talk about growing in a relationship with Jesus, what's actually growing is our faith. What's actually growing is our trust. Our trust in Jesus growing is is so relationally important because the greater our trust, the better the relationship. Let me say that again. The greater the trust, the better the relationship. That's true in marriage between husband and wife. That's true between father and son. That's true between friends and between colleagues. Trust is at the center of every healthy relationship. That's true between people, and that's especially true between you and Jesus. If you were to ask me, Ronnie... Pastor Ronnie, by the way, I never know if you call me Pastor Ronnie. I know you don't know me very well. So, Pastor Ronnie, Pastor Ronnie, what's Jesus trying to do in my life? And I would tell you what Jesus is always trying to do in every circumstance, situation in your life is he's trying to teach you to trust him. He's trying to teach you to trust him. He's trying to grow your trust in him because that trust is the essence of relationship. He and every other person wants a relationship characterized by, I trust you. I don't always understand, but I trust you. I don't know why all my prayers go unanswered, but I trust you. I don't know why life doesn't seem to be going my way, but I trust you. So what does this have to do with generosity? Well, the thing we're most tempted, we're tempted most to trust in most for our security, for our hope, and for our peace is our money. And when we do, it hurts our relationship with Jesus because we transfer our trust from it... From, from, from Jesus to our money. And the reality is, is no amount of money can give you true security. No amount of money in the bank can give you true hope. And no amount of money in the bank can give you true peace. Only Jesus can. Jesus once said, where your treasure is, there your hearts or there your trusts will be also. Listen, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't want your money. He wants to set your hearts free so that you and I can be transformed to who he created us to be. And that requires that we trust him what so often has our hearts, our money. And the rise of Scripture tells us that we trust him with what has our hearts through financial generosity. Giving, generosity, it isn't a money issue. It isn't. It's why when I talk about it, you get. if it was just a money issue, you wouldn't get all worked up. It's a heart issue. It's a trust issue. Irrelevant, we say all the time, generosity generates transformation. What does that mean? Well, God transforms us through generosity in ways he doesn't in any other way because through generosity, we're choosing to trust Jesus with the number one competitor for our hearts, our money. And when we do, money loses its grip on our hearts so that we can grow in our relationship with Jesus. Now, what we all know to be true is that our habits shape our lives. Our habits shape our lives. Good habits shape our lives in a positive way. Bad habits shape our lives in a negative way. So the only chance you have to incorporate these three ingredients, these three ingredients to grow in a relationship with Jesus into your life is by developing some good habits. So what I want to do is I want to close by quickly suggesting four habits. Four habits. If you you would start putting these four habits in your life, you're going to grow. And as I go through these quickly, I want to pay you to pay close attention to any of these habits that cause discomfort or tension or that you want to excuse or you want to make an excuse for. That's probably the habit that you should work on. So here's the first one. First habit. Establish a Sunday morning routine. I talked about the importance of practical biblical teaching. So establish a Sunday morning routine for you and your family. Establish a Sunday morning routine of what my Sunday mornings look like. What do they look like? Do I go to the 9.45 or the 10.45 gathering? Do I go in person or do I go online? What time do we wake up? When does my family have breakfast together if I have young kids? Establish a Sunday morning routine and keep it sacred because being exposed to practical biblical teaching is a key ingredient to growing your relationship with Jesus. Second habit is determine a daily rhythm of solitude and be consistent. Determine when to spend time in Jesus in solitude every day to talk to him in prayer and allow him to speak to you by reading the Bible. My rhythm is I get up at five o'clock every single morning to do this. Do I like getting up at five o'clock? No, I hate getting up at five o'clock. But I know if I don't get up at five o'clock and do this, I'm not going to do this. And I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. So I grab my prayer journal. I grab my Bible. I write out some things that are on my heart that I'm praying for. I got to write them because otherwise my mind wanders. And then I open the Bible, start praying. Do I understand everything in the Bible? No, I don't understand everything in the Bible. Uh, And if I don't understand it, good. Just keep going. Just keep going. But when something, God puts something on my heart and starts wrestling with me, I write it, I start praying the prayer in, in my prayer journal about it. You do it your way. How you do it, the length you do it, it's different for every single person. The, the importance is consistency. Just consistency in doing it. If you would say, I'm married, you know the consistency of spending time with your spouse is extraordinarily important. Not exactly how you spend time with your spouse. It's the consistency. The third habit is predecide your giving and stick with it. How do I predecide it? You pre- start with this prayer. God, what would you have me do in regards to my generosity? What would you have me do? I'm going to listen to you. Whatever you would have me do, I'm a follower of you, Jesus. Whatever you would have me do, I'm going to do it. Listen to him. And whatever he puts on your mind, whatever he puts a percentage on your mind or a certain dollar amount, then do it. Predecide to give that first before you spend and stick with it by giving it faithfully. Now, to do this, you've got to pre-decide on when and how you give. Do you give on the first of the month? Do you give every Friday? Do you give payday? Do you give on the first and the 15th? Do you give quarterly? And how do you give? Do you give physically? Do you give online? Do you need to set up recurring giving online? Do you just like to log on? Do whatever? You need to pre-decide on when and how to give in order to stick with it. And here is the last habit. The last habit I would encourage you is to choose beforehand to respond with yes. If you're committed to growing in a relationship with Jesus by developing these habits... Jesus will speak to you. He will speak to you, and to to give you a next step to follow him. And you're going, "Well, Jesus never spoken to me." I can guarantee Jesus has spoken to you. I have never heard an audible voice from Jesus, but what I have, but what I've had have ha- heard are the promptings in my spirit, the stirrings, the convictions, the uh the inspiration, the uncomfortable, the tension, and so often this is how Jesus speaks to us through those promptings of this spirit that that now resides in us the moment we put our faith in Jesus. So here's what this habit sounds like. Hey, Jesus, before you stir in my heart with anything, I want you to know that my answer is yes. I'll do it. Before you even ask, my answer is yes. This habit is so important because according to Jesus, I alluded to this verse a little bit ago in John 10, Jesus said this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And then what do my sheep do? You say it. They follow me. Not they pray about it. Not they think about it. Not they try to get some more verses about it. They follow me. We grow in a relationship with Jesus by following Jesus one next step at a time. By saying yes when he prompts and when he stirs and when he convicts. That's how we follow Jesus. Jesus. So, do you want to be transformed to everything God created you to be? Well, what next step will you take to grow in a relationship with Jesus? Maybe it's something I mentioned. Maybe it's one of those habits that I mentioned. If something caused any tension in you, any conflict in you, any motivation, any stirring in you, that's where maybe God wants to do some pruning in you so that you become more fruitful. So, take a next step with that. Maybe it's something else I didn't even mention that that has come to your mind during the sermon. Take a next step. If you want to grow, Jesus has a growing relationship with Jesus. Jesus has a next step for you to take today. Whatever the next step is, take it. Take it because we follow Jesus one next step at a time. We grow in our relationship with Jesus one next step at a time. And God transforms us into who he created us to be one next step at a time. Thank you for joining us this morning for a favorite message from Pastor Ronnie Rothy from Relevant Community Church. If you'd like to hear this message again or more like it, check out Heard On Air on the MyBridge Radio app or online at mybridgeradio.net.